Being a Christian is so much more than a political ideology or belief system. It is a way of life. We are not called just to have certain kinds of beliefs. We are called to be certain kinds of people. We are sojourners in a foreign land. We are exiles. Well, in August of 1992, Hurricane Andrew pounded the state of Florida, causing untold amounts of damage. In the process, it destroyed a python breeding facility, releasing hundreds of snakes into nearby swamps. Since then, those snakes have rapidly multiplied into tens of thousands of them that, that are causing actually massive damage to the Florida ecosystem, so much so that Florida has declared open season on pythons in Florida, even paying snake hunters for every snake they catch. Enter Dusty Crumb, pictured here. Uh, Dusty is a professional snake hunter and a star of the TV show Guardians of the Glades on the Discovery Channel, holding a snake that he caught in the Florida Everglades. It's now my daughter Jada and I, it's one of our favorite television shows. We watch it every single time it's on. We absolutely love it. But what I haven't told you is this. My name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor, and I am terrified of snakes. Anyone else afraid of snakes? Raise your hand if you are afraid of, of snakes. Okay, godly people in the room, glad to, glad to know it, right? If you're watching on video, you can raise your hand too. If you're watching on the church online platform, just put the scared emoji like this one here in the chat box or the, or the comment section. If you're new with us, uh, welcome again. Uh, so glad that you are here, honored you're with us. I know it's a weird way to start a sermon, but hang with me. I promise you I, I will have a point by, by, the, by the end of this. I... I don't care if a snake is poisonous or not. I don't care if it can hurt me or not. I don't care how big or small it is. I hate snakes. And please, please don't find me after service and tell me how they keep the rodent population down or tell me some other thing that they're good for. Like there's a reason the devil was a snake in Genesis. <laughs> it was God's way of telling us all snakes are evil. Can I get a witness from the godly people in the room today? I hate snakes, but I love this TV show. I absolutely, I, I love it. The show chronicles Dusty and his snake hunting crew as they catch these snakes. Man, they are fearless. They'll go diving into water and wrestle 10, 12, 14 foot massive pythons. Like it is absolutely incredible. Um, I'll be honest, both Jada and I scream often. When we watch this song uh, or watch this this show, like like when snakes come at their face, like this one did here, is a screen grab. I mean, it was literally coming at his face. That's a giant snake. Other times, there was these massive snakes that would wrap around their necks and start constricting. Like when that happens, there are two girls in the room, Jada and myself, and I don't know which one screams louder. Right? Like we are both like ah! I don't know. I haven't had any nightmares yet, which I, I don't know how that that's happened. At one point, my daughter Jada asked me. Do you think you could do that if you had to? Now, they make it look absolutely effortless, like they have no fear at all. And so I told her, I wouldn't want to ever do it, but if I had to, I think I could. 
And then I go out to my backyard to mow the yard, and I don't find a 12-foot snake. I find a 12-inch snake, and the screams are heard from miles away. Like, literally, that happened. I, I don't know how you react when you see a snake in the wild, uh, but in the, my backyard, the wild. Uh, when I see a snake outside, like, uh, I, I, my reaction is typically like this. <laughs> yeah, that's how it is. So, so here's the thing. Every snake's out to kill me, I'm convinced. I don't care how small it is. And it should die. The same question here now and to the point. The same question Jada asked me about snakes. Do you think you could do that if you had to? As Christians, I think we often ask that or think that to ourselves about our faith. Now, first of all, I know that not everyone who is here would say you have a faith in Jesus. You, you would say you're not a Christian, and we're honored that you are with us. I hope you'll keep hanging out with us. Uh, we, we are better because you are here. I absolutely mean that. We're better because you are here, even if you don't believe. Second of all, though, when I say faith and we ask that about our faith, I'm not talking about just a faith that God exists. It's a starting point. I'm talking about living out a bold faith. Like, could I do that? A faith that says, yes, God exists, but also I've put my faith in God through Jesus, so now I exist to do whatever he wants me to do, go wherever he wants me to go, face whatever he wants me to face, risk whatever he wants me to risk, and sacrifice whatever he wants me to sacrifice. Could I do that? The, the, the kind of faith that, that we're talking about in this series called Exiles, as we're walking through the Old Testament book of, of Daniel, it's the kind of faith described at the end of Hebrews chapter 11 in the New Testament portion of the Bible. This blows me away. Hebrews eleven thirty five 35 through 38, it's talking about Christians, says this, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life, after the resurrection, after the return of Christ and his coming kingdom. Like this is actually the crux of our series, that, that as Christians we live as citizens of heaven first so we can endure whatever happens on the earth while we wait for the coming eternal kingdom of God. We are exiles in a foreign land waiting for our forever home. Verse 36, some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about, went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. Love this. They were too good for this world. Isn't that an awesome statement? Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. I mean, do I have that kind of faith? Come on. I say I want a faith like that, but could I really do that if I had to? It's like me with the snakes. It's one thing to see someone else face it and do it. It's another thing altogether to face it and do it yourself. And the reality is none of us actually know if we have what it takes to live out a faith like that. We actually don't know until we have to face it. <laughs> It actually leads right into our big idea for today. It's on the screens if you want to write it down. I hope it's encouraging for us to hear, and it's this. A bold faith rises only when a bold faith is required. <laughs> a bold faith rises, it will, but only when a bold faith 
is required. Like we don't know if we have what it takes to live like these exiles did in scripture, living out a bold faith, but we can know where a bold faith rises from. We can know where it comes from. So that's what's going to be our big question for today. And I think it's super important. Where does a bold faith rise from? If I want to have it when the time comes where it's required, I want to know where does it rise from? Our main scripture is Daniel 3, verses 7 through 30. Daniel's in the Old Testament portion of uh, the Bible. If you don't own a Bible and you're here in person, we'll get you a Bible totally free of of charge. Just ask for it out at guest services. We'll get you a Bible before you go. For now, you can follow along on the screens, or you can download the free Bible app called YouVersion and follow along there. Now remember, in Daniel, the people of God had been captured and taken away from their homeland, the city of, of Jerusalem, to Babylon. And now Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, four of these young captives, uh, they're, they're, they were young men, most likely teenagers. Their names were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That was their, their Hebrew names, their Jewish names. Uh, king Nebuchadnezzar actually changed their names to Babylonian names, Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or if you're familiar with the VeggieTales children's movies, Rackshack and Benny, way easier to remember. You can use that. I'm totally okay with that. Rackshack and Benny, you'll never forget that, all right? In changing their names, this is very important, in changing their names, King Nebuchadnezzar was actually trying to, to force them into submission to his ways, his culture, and his belief. Here's what their names, in the Babylonian names, here's what they mean. Belteshazzar means, may Bel protect his life. Bel was one of the pagan gods of Babylon, and so it was a slam on their Jehovah God. Nebuchadnezzar was announcing, your God couldn't protect you, so my God's greater than than your God. Shadrach actually means command of Aku, which was their moon god. Meshach means who is like Aku. There's no one like Aku, the moon god, and then Abednego means servant of Nabu, which was another one of their gods. So even in their new names, they were being conditioned by the king and by culture to look to Bel for protection, to look, look up to and obey Aku, and to be servants of the god Nabu. These four young men, though, they remained faithful to God, and eventually Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we'll use their names, their Babylonian names, they were put in charge of all the province, all the affairs of the province of Babylon. They were well-respected, highly trusted advisors to the king. At the start of Daniel 3, King Nebuchadnezzar sets up a gold statue, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide. He, he calls everyone in the province to come to uh, the, the, the city there. And at the sound of the musical instruments, you were to bow down and worship the idol. Anyone who did not bow down, he said, would be immediately thrown into a blazing furnace where you would die. That's where we're picking up our story. Daniel 3, verse 7. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshiped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. They said to the king, to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. 
You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. I love this phrase. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you have set up. A bold faith rises only when a bold faith is required, and it required it here. So where's a bold faith rise from? This is so, so huge. It's a game changer, I think, for us in in the faith. And the first thing I see is this. It rises from knowing who you're standing in. It rises from knowing who you are standing in. And here's what I mean. Notice, when I first saw this in Scripture, it literally changed the whole story for me. This was several years ago I saw this. The astrologers said, but there are some Jews, some of God's people. But they didn't use their godly names. He used their Babylonian names. There's some Jews Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's significant because I believe their faith and their character was not rooted in the names that the king or the culture gave them. Their character and their faith was rooted in the names that God had given them, in in the meaning of their Jewish names. You want to know what their Jewish names mean? I'm going to tell you whether you want to or not. So at least one person said yes, so I'll tell you. I was just being kind. Here they are on the screen. Hananiah means the Lord is gracious. Mishael means the Lord is the greatest. And Azariah means the Lord helps us. Is that not awesome? Like, like that's, what, that's what they were standing in. That they weren't standing in the identity that the king or the culture gave them. They were standing in the identity of their one true king. For Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, they, were, they, they knew who they were standing in. They were standing in the Lord. That no matter what was said to them, no matter what was said about them, or no matter what was demanded of them, their faith and their character was standing in the Lord. They may have been called Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but their identity was the Lord is gracious, the Lord is the greatest, and the Lord will help us. But I wonder, church, I wonder if people were to look at us today, when others might bow down to the horn of culture, would I be included in a group of exiles that was said, but there are some Christians. But there are some Christians. Would that be said of me? They refuse to serve the gods of this world, and they will not bow down to any idol our culture has set up. Would that be said of me? So, oh God, we are asking you, in the name of Jesus, in this moment in history, 
to raise up more men and more women, young and old, who will live in the spirit of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, people who will live and declare this word of truth over their life, that today I am standing in the name of God. He is gracious, he is the greatest, and he will help us. And God, may we stand out as your people by refusing to live in the labels and lies of the culture around us. Church, when it comes, when it comes to how we live and love and lead in this world, it is time for us to know who we are standing in. We are standing in the Lord, and from that place will rise a bold faith. And remember, bold doesn't have to be abrasive. It can just be confident in the Lord. Verses 13 through 17. I'm not done getting worked up today. (laughs) Then Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I've set up, I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments, which, by the way, tells us how much he admired them. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace and notice the arrogance, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied from their bold faith that rose up when it was required. O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Isn't that awesome? And by the way, this is so... We need to remember they didn't know the rest of the story. I think we so often read stories like this and other great Bible stories as if the characters knew what was going to happen. Like they had not read ahead yet. There was nothing yet to read. They were living the story. Like they didn't go to Sunday school and hear about how they were rescued from the fiery furnace. They didn't know what God was going to do. They just knew what their God was able to do. They weren't trying to become famous. They were trying to be faithful to the famous one. That is the way of an exile. We see it all through Scripture. And how easy would it have been for them just to take a knee, just one time, just once? God would understand, right? We don't think about this, but there, there had to be other Jews there that day. And yet they were, they were the only ones, these three young men were the only ones who stood up, the only ones who stood out, the only ones who stood firm. Out of all of them, three. So a bold faith rises only when a bold faith is required. Where does that bold faith rise from? Knowing who you're standing in. Number two, knowing when you will stand firm. You got to know when you're going to stand firm, stand your ground. Not, I just thought of this and I need to say it and move on. Not everything 
in this world demands a fight from Christians. We tend to think that everything's a line in the sand. I, that, I don't know who that was for, I, but it just came to me. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they drew a line in the sand, an uncompromising line. That they were standing firm. They were basically saying to the king, we, we might be employees of your kingdom. We might be friends of people who are in your kingdom. We will even submit to the king of the kingdom until it comes to denying our one true king. That is the line in the sand that we are unwilling to, to cross. So throw us in the fire. Our God's able to save us. We're going to see a victory because the battle is not ours. The battle is, is God's. He will rescue us. Verse 18. But even if he doesn't. Woo! That fires me up, church. Our God is able to save us, but even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you've set up. But even if he doesn't, one of my favorite lines in scripture, but here they were standing before the man who literally held their earthly life in his hands. And they basically said, we worship only one king. Our faith is in him alone. He is able to save us. We believe that he will. But even if he doesn't, kill us if you want, O king. It don't matter. We already died to ourselves and we're living for one king. So throw us in the fire. And what happened when they stood firm in the face of the king? Uh, the Bible says his face became distorted with rage. We've all seen that look on our parents before, right? <laughs> Something's wrong with mommy. His face became distorted with rage. He hoarded the furnace. He did seven times hotter. He bound Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in ropes and threw him in the fire to die. Daniel says the fire was so hot that the soldiers who threw them in were killed by the heat. And for many Christians, this is the end of the story. It's the end, at least on earth. Every year, 2,848 Christians are killed for their faith in Jesus, about eight a day, and that number's growing. No rescue, no deliverance on this side of eternity. You see, the most powerful part of the story is not what God does next for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The greatest miracles are not the ones where God heals and saves and protects and delivers. Those are awesome. I pray for them every day, but those are not the greatest. The greatest miracle, the most powerful part of this story is not what God does next. It's what God did in these young men leading up to this moment because for all they knew, they were about to die and they were ready to do it. That's the powerful part of the story. They knew who they were standing in. They knew where they would stand firm. They were ready to die. They even believed this is our last moment. Jumping to verse 24, this is where it gets good. But suddenly, Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? 
Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men, unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god, and friends, it was a god. It was the god, their Jehovah God, was standing with them in the fire. Listen, they weren't just singing about another in the fire. They were living another in the fire. And I don't know about you, but when I face fiery trials in life, it is comforting for me to know that there is also with me someone else else in the fire, standing next to me. There's another in the waters holding back the sea. And should I ever need reminded of how good he's been to me, there's a grave that has no body. There's a grave that has no body. Verse 26 then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the most high God. Come out. Come here. Can you imagine this happening? I, I, I can be somewhat sarcastic and antagonistic. Hard to imagine, I know. But if this were me and I was standing in the fire and literally the angel of the Lord, we believe the pre-incarnate Jesus was standing with me, I'd be like, nah, we good. You can come in here though. Bring some marshmallows and sticks. But they're better than me. Continuing on, so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed, and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let that sink in. Am I living my life in such a way that other people would say praise to the God of Jeff? He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. And don't forget they didn't know that would be the end of their story. They were standing with God, even if they died in the fire. If you keep reading to verse 30, we won't do it here, but Nebuchadnezzar says, there's no God like their God. And then he promoted them to even higher positions in the kingdom. A bold faith rises only when a bold faith is required so where does a bold faith rise from? You got to know who you're standing in. Where's your identity? You got to know where you'll stand firm. Where's, where is that uncompromising line in the sand? And this last one is huge. You got to know why you're willing to stand strong. Got to know your why. Why are you willing to stand strong? The, the why for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the why for, for every exile should be what happened here. 
for the glory and honor and praise of our God. That, that there, there is no God like the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So praise to the Most High God. C can you imagine, church, if we who believe in Jesus here at Element would live in such a way that people said there is no God like the God of those people at Element Church? No God like their God. For Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they, they, they were standing strong for the glory and honor and praise of their God living out his kingdom on earth. They didn't know they were going to be promoted. They didn't know they were going to be saved. All they knew was, we want God to receive the glory. And if they died, he would have. And because they lived, he did. Either way, God gets the glory. John Wesley, church founder and father, theologian, loved this quote, said this, Give me 100 people who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I care not a straw, whether they be clergymen or laymen, such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Church, that's what I want for all of us. To fear nothing but sin, desire nothing but God, to have an even if kind of faith. And, and when we do that, we will shake the gates of hell in our community and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth through our lives. So God, my heart is so moved by these young men. Every time I read it, I'm so challenged. So Lord, would you please root in us these things that are so obviously evident in these young men? Would you root in us an identity in you that we'd know who we are standing in, not, not bowing down to the, the idols of this culture, not taking on the labels or lies of anybody or anything around us. Lord, help us know where to stand firm to draw that uncompromising line in the sand. And then we, we, we will not cross it. And Lord, I pray we'd all have a why, that our why would be for the glory and honor and praise of you the most high God. And Lord, if no one goes with us, may we still be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All of that, everything we've talked about today, what I just prayed for, all of it starts with faith in Jesus, all of it. You can't, have, you can't live out that kind of faith without Jesus. It starts with him forgiving us of our sins. You see, there, our sin, all of us ha have sinned. Our sin separates us from a holy God. And by the way, if you're a believer in the room and you think, oh, man, I know where he's going with this. No, start praying right now, would you? Like, don't check out because you know where I'm going. Like, now's the time to lean in and say, Lord, if there's anybody here who needs this, would you help them hear it and receive it? That was also free of charge. So what I see oftentimes is I start doing this in the service and every Christian checks out. Don't check out. 
lean in. Because this moment could change someone's eternity. Okay? Our sin separates us from God. And if that sin goes undealt with, it will be an eternal separation from God. So God had a plan. Himself. Jesus, God in the flesh, came to the earth. He died for our sins on the cross. He rose from the dead. And then Jesus, God in the flesh, says, if you by faith in me will put your faith in me, I'll forgive you of all your sins. I'll live in your heart. I'll empower you to live with me and for me every day. And then one day, I'm going to come back again. And you'll, you'll live with me forever in my kingdom. Have you made that decision yet to put your faith in Jesus? If you haven't, I want to give you that chance right now to do that. I want to lead you in a prayer that expresses your faith to God through Jesus. Okay? Jesus saves you. This expresses your faith. Just say this prayer just silently in your heart to God. Father in heaven, I believe that Jesus is God. Jesus, you died for me, so I, I profess my faith in you. Please forgive me of, of all of my sins. I don't know how you do it, but I need it. Wash me clean. Make me new. I, I repent of my old way of living. I'm going to turn. I'm going to follow you in a new way. I repent. I receive from you salvation. Come into my heart. Live in me. Live through me. Empower me to live out this bold faith when I need it. Thanks for loving me, Jesus. I'm going to do my best to love you back. It's in your name I pray. Amen. If you're here today, if you're watching on video somewhere, and you just prayed that prayer to ask Jesus into your heart, it is the best decision you'll ever make. But it is the hardest one to live out because now you have an enemy, Satan, who is against you. And so we want to help you. We want to welcome you. You are now part of our family. We want to uh, give you some resources, uh, just a way to, to walk with you as you follow Jesus. They're, they're totally free, no strings attached, but we need you to, to let us know. So the best way to let us know if you're here in the room or if you're watching on video is to text the word one to the number on your screen. Text the word one to 41400. We are going to welcome you. We are going to celebrate with you. And we're going to give you some free resources uh, that we have made for you to get you walking and taking your next steps uh, with Jesus. I'd also encourage you to tell someone in person. Find someone here at the church. Find a friend who loves Jesus, uh, a family member, and tell them that you put your faith in Jesus. There's something powerful about telling someone. It helps that seed take root in your heart, the seed that Jesus put there by your faith. Next week, we're gonna look at Daniel in the lion's den. Again, another great story that I think we'll see some, some great principles for our own uh, life. If you need prayer for anything in your life, something going on, and you want somebody to pray for you, stop by the very back of the room, and a prayer team member back there will pray for you. Uh, I love you guys. I hope this message was inspiring for us today to live out a bold faith. Have an awesome week. You're dismissed.